This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Wednesday, October 9th, 2019. And of course, there's lots of news in the, coming out every day, and it wasn't no different, no different today. You know, I'd like to see some days without just anything going on in the news, and economics, and the world economy. But that does not happen. And today it was all about, you know, uh, kind of positive news of possible movement in the right direction to solve this China thing. But I think it's way too premature. But the market liked it. I mean, the Dow was up 182, the Nasdaq up 80, and the S&P up 26. Remember, the Dow was down over 300 yesterday. It was up 182 today. So, still down, you know. But, you know, also there was some hints that the Fed's going to pretty much lower rates by the end of the month. Again. But we kind of knew that yesterday, so I don't know if that was a big change or anything exciting. You know, um, other than that, there's really no uh, economic statistics that came out that were of any note. So it had to be all about possible movement in the right direction on the Chinese-U.S. trade front. So, okay, so I guess we'll just take it. We'll take it. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining me today. And I hope you will call me as well, because I want to answer any of your investing questions. Any questions on anything to do with finance, we'll talk about. Anything to do with money. We'll talk about that. Okay? Other than that, I'm not interested. Okay? So, stay away from politics, stay away from religion, but money, I'm interested in on this show. Okay? So, you can call me. And when you do call, you, of course, drive the direction of what, what, where we're going to go with the show today. What we're going to talk about. Many people call about individual stocks, and we will do that. But maybe you want a broader perspective on things. We can Maybe some philosophical um, thoughts on our economy, or you know, where you know, how about talking about? We're going to talk about the debt today. You know, I mean, the deficit, the debt. You know, and there's a major difference between those two. Some people keep confusing those: the deficit and the debt. The U.S. deficit and U.S. debt, vastly different things. Anyways. It was all in an effort to get to that financial freedom goal we all want. Everybody wants it. I want it. You know, you, you just well, How do we get there? It's doable. It's doable. It's not like it's not. It's impossible. It's not. It's doable. It's very doable in this economy, in our society. You have the ability to make it happen. Anyways, our number, 888-99-CHART. You can call at any time. It's live. We're live. We're live Monday through Friday, 4 to 5 Pacific time. So that means we're live right now. So let me take a minute to remind you I'm going to be in uh, San Jose tomorrow. But I do not have any appointments left. If they actually filled up yesterday. So sorry about that. Um, we will, I'm going to be setting a new day here shortly. And because there was a pretty good demand, a strong demand, I, I mean, every two days were full. I, I set up another day up in, uh, in New York, in New York City, for November 7th. November 7th, and I think I have one slot open on the 7th of November. So if you want to meet with me there in New York, you still have a chance. So, 
If you if you live anywhere near Southern California, you also can attend our uh, KPP Wealth Com- Management Conference, which is Saturday, it's October 12th. Justin and I and Jason uh, will be um, leading the Wealth Conference event at our Irvine, California office. The event is titled Earning Yields in a No-Yield World, Investing in Real Estate, Stocks, Bonds for Income. We'll talk about, we have some real estate experts that will talk about real estate initially, and then we're going to get into the stocks and bonds. I'm going to talk about the economy and the, you know, so I think it'll be pretty interesting. There is limited seating, and you got to make reservations through investtalk.com. So make them if you want to come. Love to see you there. My main talking point today concerns a serious headline, U.S. budget deficit almost $1 trillion in 2019. Now, that's the estimate. We won't get the official number till the end of the month. Many mainstream economists have long taken the position that deficits and the nation's $22 trillion, to the T, $22 trillion national debt are unsustainable. So we're adding a trillion to the national debt this year. We've been adding to this national debt year after year after. You can't keep doing it forever. Just not. It can't happen. Something's going to happen. When people ask me, well, what's going to happen? Nothing's happened so far. I love it when I hear people, well, just print more money, you know. Um, you know, if, if we need to print more money, just print it. Just just print, print it, print it, print it. Well, you know who did that? And kept doing it and eventually got caught up with them? Greece. You know who's doing it? Some countries in Europe. And their economies stink. Greece economy still stinks after years and years of not doing very well. And you can't keep doing it if you want a healthy economy. You can't keep doing it. And remember, our dollar is a reserve currency of the world. Do we want to keep it as a reserve currency or do we want to, you know, not to not be the reserve currency? Do you want China's currency to be the reserve currency of the world? Because that's the way it's going to go if we keep adding to this debt. I can't tell you when. No, I don't know what the tipping point is. No one knows. And of course, i got other things we want to talk about today. How about October 9th? October 9th is a big day in the last, what? Oh, I say about the last 15 years or so. Because there's been 10 very significant trend, two very significant trend changes starting October 9th. So we'll talk about that. Research from Datatrek shows cash levels are rising. What does that mean? What does that mean for you and me? What does it mean for the stock market? Cash levels are rising. And finally, there's a Wall Street economist, the chief economist of society, General, forecast a recession in 2020. But he has he's not blaming Trump. He's not blaming the trade tariffs and none of that. That's not why. And I happen to think that he's on to something here. So that's what we're going to discuss if we can this hour. The, again, I'll remind you that the Dow was up 182 points, the NASDAQ up 80, and the S&P up 26. So it was a positive day today. Okay. Um, this is Invest Talk, and I'm Steve Peasley. If you've been listening to Invest Talk for a while, you have heard me say that I believe every investor should determine what their individual risk tolerance should is. And you should know what that is. Well, how do you measure that? You can measure it. You can figure it out. 
and I have a way to start that process, you know, you're going to define your comfort zone in the market. So it's pretty quick and pretty easy. Calibrate your risk tolerance. You can go a free online tool at investtool at investtalk.com called Riskalyze. Answer the questionnaire. It's pretty short. You'll be done. Give me a call. 888-99-CHART. Today is Wednesday, and tomorrow, Steve Peasley will be in San Jose conducting his no-cost portfolio review consultations. But if you live anywhere in Southern California, Steve and Justin Klein will be in Irvine leading the KPP Wealth Management Conference this Saturday. The event topic? Earning yield in a no-yield world. Investing in real estate, stocks, and bonds for income. Register now and learn more at investtalk.com. Hey, this is Brian uh, from Tyler, Texas. I'm calling about uh, Uber and Lyft stock. I see that it's, it's pretty low. I think it's low as it's been since it's, you know, came on the stock market. And just want to know what your thoughts are and think it might be a great time to buy that or uh, it might not be good. Thanks for your help. Okay, everybody knows who Uber and Lyft is. Uh, they both came out public not too long ago, develops, supports proprietary technologies as Uber, applications that provide ride-sharing and meal preparation. That's Uber Technologies. Um, and it has, it opened up, uh, um, it opened up an IPO, uh, and it has fallen since then. I, I, the first trade was in the 40s. And now today it's $29.07. So everybody's thinking, well, gee, it's gone down. That must be a bargain. No, it's not. They're going to lose $7.06 a share this year. They're going to lose $3.04 a share next year. The question is, when are they going to make money? That's the question. Sales have gone from four quarters ago is 37% growth to 22% growth to 20% growth to 14% growth. We haven't got this quarter, this most recent quarter's numbers yet. I wouldn't buy it. Remember, you don't buy IPOs till at least six months, minimum six months after they open, because that's when the insiders get to sell six months. So stock goes down before the insiders start to sell, and they put more pressure on the downward side. So don't buy it. I mean, <laughs> there's no reason to buy it. There's no reason to be in a hurry to get into it. And I would wait till it turned around and made some money before I consider it. Now, I, I just, you know, I'm just not, I'm just not convinced that they can make money yet. You know, that's that's where I am. And then you got you got California trying to trying to tell Uber that those are employees, they're not independent contractors driving their that's driving their own personal cars. They're employees. Well, if if that's the case and they win that, and you're talking about California, um, then. Um, they're going to have to provide benefits and they're going to have to provide, you know, start doing a whole different tax scheme and paying the government, you know, income tax, taking income tax. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a mess for Uber, make it more difficult to make money. So I would say no, no on Uber. Let's take a quick look at the key benchmark numbers. Gold was at 1505, 1508. It went up the last couple of days. Oil, $53 a barrel. And of course, gasoline 264 nationwide, and add another buck for us here, more than a dollar. And we still, and we uh, the the the, uh, the spread between the two-year and ten-year is getting a little bit wider. That's all good news. 
It was inverted, what, three weeks ago or so? That's really bad news. In other words, the two-year treasury was paying more in yield than the 10-year treasury. That has led to recessions. And then within a week or so, it got back to a normal yield because the Fed back then lowered rates. Now I think the Fed's going to lower rates again at the end of this month. So, 30-year fixed mortgage rate is at 3.9%. So what we're seeing, and I have brother-in-laws who are a bunch of real estate appraisers, what you're seeing is a bunch of refinancing going on again. So that's what's happening out there. And I did report to you last week that there's a lot of re-defaults in the housing market that no one is really reporting on yet. You watch. when it gets, if, if our economy does slowly move into a recession, all of a sudden that's going to be a big problem and hit the headlines at some point. I'm telling you now, it's a problem. The cost of shipping oil by tanker is going up. So do you know how much that costs? A tanker, you know, those big oil tankers, how much do you think it costs to ship from here to, say, South Korea? How about $13.25 million? But the cost is going higher. Why is that? Well, freight rates in Asia have climbed to new heights after the United States sanctioned several Chinese tanker owners for knowingly engaged in significant transactions for the transfer of oil from Iran. Remember, we're supposed to have an embargo on Iran. We, we do. And we don't do business with other people that violate that embargo. Well, China did. And therefore, they've got sanctioned. All this doesn't, all that doesn't help with the, the uh, trade talks, does it? But, that's just the way it is. I'm just just letting you know how it is. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we present this program within five with five new shows each week, five live shows, Monday through Friday, four to five Pacific time. We broadcast it live. I hope you'll tell your friends and family members, please do about Invest Talk. And whenever you have an investment questions, I encourage you to contact me or Justin Klein at KPP Financial or explore our podcast library. You can search, listen, subscribe. I would appreciate it if you take a second or two and rate us at iTunes, Spotify, Google, Google Play. Now I'm taking your questions live, 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. Lee from North Carolina. I've got a question about insider trading. And uh, to be more specific, I mean legal insider buying. When I'm evaluating a stock, insider buying is one of the metrics I use, and I tend to put a lot of weight into this metric. I've been listening to your show about six months, and I've don't believe I've heard you guys mention insider buying, whether or not you use that as a metric. So I'm just curious, do you guys look at insider buying when you're evaluating a company? And if so, how much weight do you put into this metric when you're making your decision? Look forward to hearing the answer on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, you know, one point in my history, I thought that was also uh, pretty important. But what I found out is that insider buying is much more important than insider selling. Because they sell 
to put money in their pocket because it's part of their compensation. So it's not necessarily they're selling because they don't have any faith in the company they work for. So insider buying, you would think, okay, they must have faith in the company because they're buying. But only that only is true if they're buying in the open market. In other words, they're buying stocks at whatever the price is in the open market because that tells you that they have faith that it's going to go higher. Well, what if they're buying because of some kind of deal with with the company that they get to buy the shares at a discount? You know, you know, I you got to be careful what you're looking at on the buy side. When they're buying it in the open market, I think that's much more important than buying it just because they're, that's part of their conversation to get to buy 10% low below the market price, and they can turn around and sell it or hold on to it or whatever. So just understand what kind of buying you're looking at, okay? So I do think it's important that the insiders have faith in their company, but I think that's kind of down the line of what I look at. I still look at it, but it's not the primary. My primary driver is uh, uh, profit margins, you know, are their margins expanding, staying the same, or being squeezed? But it changes. My What I focus on as important changes as the economic cycle changes. I wish it was as simple as just I just look for these numbers and that's it. No, it doesn't happen. I work that way. My main talking point today concerns an article about saying that the U.S. budget deficit, um, almost a trillion dollars in 2019, and a trillion dollars for 2019. And this cannot be sustainable, which pretty much is true. So what we're saying is the government took in a bunch of money, right, from, from us as far as tax concerned. Uh, zillions of dollars that they take in. They still spend a trillion more than they took in. I, I find this hard to believe. You know that? Why do I find this hard to believe? Because they should be able to spend within their means. Everybody does. You have to. I have to. Why can't the government do it? And the government doesn't care to do it. They waste so much money. If you've been around, you know, I've been around different types of government entities and watch how they spend their money that they are allotted and how it works. It is a terrible system. Terrible system. Almost every government uh, entity out there, and at least the federal government that I know about, I can't really speak to the state government, but I can't see how it could be much different. But if they're allotted X amount of dollars, they make sure they spend those dollars because they don't want to be cut next year. That's how they do it. So if they don't, let's say they buy computers this year. Well, they they spend months of money on the computers. They spend what they're allotted. Next year, they will probably won't need computers. So they may not spend all the money they get. Guess what? They keep buying the computers even though they don't need them. It's just, you know, it's bad. So anyways, the government spends all this money. So we went in a billion dollars more in debt. That deficit per year added was $1 billion more going out than coming in. And so now we're at $22 trillion national debt. That's how much debt we have. How much higher can it go? Before it starts pushing interest rates up. Right now, you know, everybody's all happy because interest rates are very low and the Fed's pushing down. But remember, the Fed only controls one rate. That's the overnight rate. The public controls the num- the, the, the interest rates that the governments pay on Treasury. 
treasuries. You know, the how do you think the government pays uh, spends more than a trillion dollars extra than they bring in? They issue bonds, treasury bonds. They issue them. They issue a trillion dollars. There you go. They got money for that. They got to pay that back someday. But you know, no, then someday they'll pay it back. Well, what happens when it's not it's not a trillion? What if it's a two trillion? What if it's five trillion? What if it's there's a limit to it, right? At some point, the people who are buying those bonds are going to say, hey, I want a lot more interest than you've been paying because I don't trust you. You see, that's that. what's that tipping point when that happens? No one knows. I don't know. It could be 10 years from now. I, I'll probably be long dead. You know, maybe it's 50 years from now. I don't know. But it is going to be a big problem at some point. Big problem. Okay, we have, uh, you know, as you know, at this time every day, I have a little trivia question before the break. A few weeks ago, I gave you this investment fact. If you had been around to invest $100 in McDonald's stock back in the 1969 and let it alone, that $100 would have grown to $8 million. Okay? Awful long time. Okay, today's trivia question. If you invest $1,000 in Google 10 years ago and let it ride, how much would that investment be worth today? And I'll have the answer next. And now I'm taking your investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Overall, I feel pretty good about our investment decisions. But there are times I wonder if our current 401k plan could be doing better. I mean, which funds are the right funds for me? For us. You're listening to someone who could benefit from KPP Financial's active 401k program. I can't spend all my time following the market, and I'm sure it would certainly be a big help to receive advice based on real data from unbiased advisors. The active 401k program features math-based models to guide you in and out of the various investment options in your plan. KPP monitors and advises. You take action with the active 401k program. KPP clients immediately see current investment recommendations configured to match their personal plan preferences. Active 401k. Okay. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Before the break, I gave you a trivia question. Okay, if you invested $1,000 in Google 10 years ago and let it ride, how much would that investment be worth today? Well, here's the answer. On September 27th, Google turned 21 years old. Google's success since going public has turned out to be very positive for shareholders. A $1,000 investment in 2009, 10 years later, in 2019, would be worth $4,800. That's a total return of 400% in 10 years. So Google went public in 2004. And it has a current share price of about $1,200 per share. So compare the stock market gain for Google. You know, how well has the stock market done in those last 10 years? Well, it's up too, pretty significant. But, you know, not but half, less, about half, 
about half of that amount, I think it's about be about right. Assuming a very generous interest rate, what if you just put the money in the bank and you got like 5% per year, which you would not have gotten in the last 10 years, but let's say you did. That $1,000, instead of being like Google at $4,800, it would be only worth about 1600 Stocks have always severely outperformed bonds. Now, it's not true every day or every year, but almost all the time. And when they do outperform, they usually outperform them significantly. Over time, it's very significant. Now, as you know, I'm always happy to answer your questions. Here's one that came in earlier, 888-99-CHART. Hey, hi there, Steve and uh, Justin. This is Sam calling from Dallas, Texas. And I've been enjoying your podcast. And my question was about uh, the stock, which is NOK, which is Nokia. At this point, it's around $5. And based on what I've read about it, it's got 5G contracts. Uh, in a lot of countries all over the world and they're going to be implementing and executing that and because of that this stock is poised to go up so I would like to know what you think about this stock can we go ahead and add this to our portfolio would love to hear from you thank you very much well let's take a quick look at Nokia it's it's been in the recent years been very poor as an investment uh, Nokia is a Finnish, in Finland, Finnish developer of telecom infrastructure, mobile brand with technology, and the digital map networks. Uh, it's going to make 26 cents a share this year. It made 26 cents a share last year. Uh, but it's going to make 40 cents next year. That's a jump of about 50%. And sales in the June quarter actually went up for the first time in many quarters, 5%. Sales grew. I do like the fact they're spending 20% of research and development, but they, you know, they got behind on in many ways, and so now the the, the key will be how much are they going to be involved with the new 5G rollout, and it's going to be a lot. It's going to be very expensive for a company like AT&T and Verizon to roll out on 5G. Well, will Nokia benefit from that? How much will it benefit? That's really the kind of questions you want. It's under, been under pressure, I mean, downward. It was $6 a share back last February, March, uh, and today it's $4.91. But I will say that it looks like about $4 and between $4.50 to $4.80 is about where it, it falls and then recovers. Okay, so the highest it was, for instance, I'll give you a little, since 2012, the highest price for Nikia has been $8. The lowest price for Nikia has been 1. But the last four years, the lowest price for Nikia has been $4. So here it is at $4.91. So it's near its low. Uh, it, it's a $4.91. It's going to make $0.40 cents next year. So that means it's what, 12 PE? 12 and a half PE, that's pretty reasonable. That's its five-year low, about 12. Return on equity is only 8%, though. See, that's got, they got problems. They don't have a lot of debt, which is good. But I, I think you could buy it. And as long as you have a long-term horizon, I don't think the low debt, pretty good numbers going forward, nothing fantastic or great. But I, I think it's going to survive, and it's near its low. So... Take that from there. Let's go to John in Santa Cruz. How you doing, John? Good, Steve. Thank you for taking my call. Um, Thank you. 
I um, I bought shares of DEO a while back, and uh, it's been steadily going down, and I'm starting mm. to get a little concerned. I don't know if I should just hold it or sell it and move on. Do you know stuff. what happened? What? Let's see. No. Uh, let's see. Oh, <laughs> GEO is a REIT that owns and leases, manages correctional detention, so it's a private prison company. Uh, yeah, what's happened is California has decided to end private prisons in California. That's what happened. So, you know, news like that just crushes this kind of these kind of companies. Not GEO specifically, but probably all of them. And if GEO has exposure here in California, yeah, it, its earnings are going to go down and sales are going to go down. And so that was the news that drove it down. I, I probably would exit it because it's below uh, its 52-week mm-hmm. high. There's no, no, even though it's a low P.E., you know, the, there's a lot of negativity going on about this, about, you know, states moving yeah. away from this, even though it's more efficient and facilities are clean and neat, much better than state-run prisons, but you can't convince politicians of that. They like to have control. So I probably exit mm. look for something better. I really would. John, oh. thanks for the call. I appreciate it. GEO is a symbol, everybody. GEO Group. And it's a REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust, and pays a very high dividend. But the bad news is probably swamping it. Let's go to Chris in Walnut Creek. How you doing, Chris? I'm good, Steve. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for the call. I just want to thank you uh, and uh, Justin for your show. Really appreciate it. Um, okay. So my appreciate question that. is uh, a company called uh, BNG Foods, BGS. They've been going down lately. Um, they increased their dividend. So... I'm not sure why they're going down. Is it this earnings? I, I don't know. And I'm, I, I currently own it. Well, it's pr- and I'm thinking about buying yeah. more. Okay. B&G Foods is manufactured shelf-stable food products such as jellies and hot sauces sold in U.S., Canada. They are a $1 billion company. They're out of Precipity, New Jersey. Their earnings are going to, you know, in 2017, they made $2.11, and that's been their high. Then in 18, $1.83 per share, and then this year, they're going to make $1.82, and then next year, $1.90 per share. So it, the earnings have been kind of lackluster, but stable. The yield, the dividend yield is 11%. Cash flow is $2.74. So those are good. Sales have gone down 2 to 4% for the last three quarters, every quarter. So why is it falling? Because it, it, it was at 40 bucks not that long ago. It was $16.31. In, in 2016, it was $40 a share. It's a very stable company. You know, the, the it, it's right now at a pretty much low, and it's never been this low in a, since for the last five, seven years. Never been $12, $16.31. I mean, the last low was in 2012 was $20 a share. The high last year was 35, year before 47, year before 52, the year before 38. So it's hard for me to believe that it's going to go much lower because it's so stable as a company. So 
I, I would wait till it starts to bounce a little bit for you before I add to it, though, or before I put it in my portfolio. But don't get over 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 leveraged in BG B and B and G foods just because you should never be over leveraged in any one. Never, never buy too much of any one thing. It's not a good idea. Chris, appreciate the call. Let's go to Kevin in Philadelphia. How be how you doing, Kevin? Hey, Steve. How you doing? Uh, love your show. Long good. time listener. I wanted to. Thank I'd like you. to ask you about a mutual fund uh, that I'm thinking about mm-hmm. uh, putting some money in. So I'm, I'm in my retirement years, and I want to keep a 60-40 uh, balance, uh, 60% stock, 40% uh, bonds and cash, but my cash is getting a little heavy. So I'm thinking of uh, investing in uh, uh, putting some money into B-A-G-I-X, Baird Aggregate Fund. <laughs> it's, uh, yes. it's an investment-grade bond fund. It's got a... Good rating for Morningstar. So um, um, I just want to know your opinion, what you think uh, is a good idea, if this is an okay time to do that. I know the interest rates, uh, you know, we don't know which way they're going to go now. And so I'm not Well, sure. I think they're still going to go down. I think they're going to go down still. So I, I think that, I, you know, this is Baird, B, okay. B-A-G-I-X, aggregate bond. As long as they stay in the investor grade or higher, they should be fine. I would worry greatly about low-quality bonds. So I'd stay away from high yields. I'd, I'd just stay away from I think that's, you know, if, okay. if the economy does slow down, if this economy slows down, you know, they're going to keep pushing interest rates lower. But when interest rates do turn, Kevin, that means these 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 kind of funds won't work when they start to rise again, right. slowly rise again. And they so you right. got to be right. you know kind of careful on that. Right now, you might have yeah, another I'm leg up at, if they keep lowering rates. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I looked at their three-year return, and it's pretty good. It's somewhere around uh, the high three percent. But I think that's probably taken into consideration the last year. Rates have been going down, so it's probably, yeah. uh, you know, uh, yeah. you're not getting a true yeah, read here with three years, but because uh, uh, yeah, year you, to date it's like up nine percent, you know. So yeah, yeah, you don't look, you don't look, you don't invest looking in the rearview mirror. You look invest in the in the windshield. You don't look back because that's already happened. That's not that necessarily means it's going to repeat. Often it does not. We increased our, in our on our balanced income portfolio. We dramatically increased our bond exposure well over starting well over a year ago, uh, but now we're not because it's already had a pretty good run. So we're just reaping the benefits of that run. But our next move will be to reduce our bond exposure, but not until you know we see you know uh, the Federal Reserve bottom may stop lowering rates and I. They're continuing to lower rates. So, Kevin, watch the Federal Reserve and what they're doing with interest rates. That'll be your 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 clue as to what you know what these funds, these bond funds, are going to do. Appreciate the call. I'm Steve Peasley, and you're listening to Invest Talk. So, obviously, you understand the importance of unbiased guidance and experience. Hopefully, for you know, I hope you get that from us. I encourage you to consider and subscribing to the KPP Premium Newsletter. Why do I encourage that? Because I write it every week. It comes out every Friday, and I think it's pretty, pretty well worth the money. Uh, it, you know, it comes. It has four sections. It has a market commentary section, a portfolio management section, stock idea section, two stock ideas every week, and you know, a um, a consumer watch section. 
So, is a premium newsletter comes on email email new your e news email box comes as an e newsletter, not not printed. Okay, go to investtalk.com if you're interested in ordering it. And now I'm ready to take your questions. 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. And here's something all investors have to deal with. We are living in a no-yield world. So how can you safely get income from stocks and bonds despite a choppy market? You can register to attend the next KPP Financial Wealth Management Conference. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will lead the event, and they'll be joined by two real estate experts and a trust attorney. Get your questions answered efficiently at one time and in one place. Saturday, October 12th in Irvine, California. The KPP Wealth Management Conference. Seating is limited. Register now at investtalk.com. 888-99 chart. Okay, uh, October 9th, the last 10, 12 years, has been has had two major changes in direction in the market. Two of them, major changes in direction. Okay? One was October 9th, 2002. What happened on October 9th, 2002? The bear market ended. That's the day that the market started to turn up. Okay, how about October 9th, 2007, that's when the bear market started, the financial crisis. So October 9th, and I mentioned that because today's October 9th, everybody. <laughs> so today's October 9th. So those are, there's two major bear and bull moves for the market. And October, as I've told you before, October is not the worst month of the year. That's usually September, but October is all is known to be the market that the month that the market changes direction often, up or down. And of course, I probably don't need to remind you about October nineteenth, nineteen eighty seven, when the market went down twenty percent in one day. So that was on October two. So so October can be kind of a wild ride, okay? But it is known to be putting in, known to have a put in a bottom for markets. If the market is weak during the summer, October uses the turnaround month. Anyways, I'm Steve Peasley and you're listening to Invest Talk. So we only have a minute left here before the next break and for the final section of the show. So you know what? You, need, you guys need to call. This is Invest Talk. And all you have to do is call my number at 888-99-CHART for any financial questions. 888-992-4278. On the next Invest Talk, are small cap stocks primed to outperform large caps over the next 10 years? One opinion argues that small cap valuations are presenting investors with a big buying opportunity. That story tomorrow. But now Steve Peasley is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Steve, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. Just uh, like Tracy, a quick question in regards to uh, GDX and GDL. Which would you invest in during this current economic condition, or would you invest in both? Great show. Have a great day. Bye. Well, they're vastly different funds. Uh, GDX is an ETF that tracks the gold miners index of gold miners. 
GDL is a closed-in fund seeking absolute returns in various market conditions without excess risk or capital. The definition tells you absolutely nothing about what they do. But they're apples and oranges. One's based on gold miners. This one is based on an absolute return based on whatever they say in their perspectives that they're trying to get that absolute return. So you couldn't do one or the other. I mean, if you're going to build a portfolio, you have to think in terms of, well, what fits your portfolio? If you're going to ask me to make, force me to make a decision, I would go to GDX. Because I think gold, when the dollar start, starts falling, because it's not going to rise forever, but and when it starts falling and inflation starts picking up even a little bit, you know, gold's going to move. Or if we go into recession, gold's going to move up. So I think it's got room to the upside. <clears throat> now, I'm not a big gold person. I'm not a gold bug. I'm not one of these people that, oh, you got to buy gold. got to have gold in your portfolio. No, not necessarily. But I am a person that likes to take you know, chances uh, take advantage of any opportunity I see. And I think gold is still, it's already done well this year, and I still think it has another leg up. Okay, research from Data Trek shows cash levels are rising. The cash levels, and all they're looking at is money markets. Okay, and they compare the year-over-year money markets, and it's up 14% from last year to this time. And they think that, uh, that that's pretty significant. Why do they think that 14% is significant? Because over that period of time, returns on money market funds have gone down. Interest rates are going down. So here, here more money is coming into money markets at the same time when no one make, they're making less and less money in them when you put your money in there. So they feel that that's pretty significant. Well, that might be true. You know, uh, and, and, you know, maybe people are more worried than they should be and maybe they're just as worried as they should be. I don't know. I'm just reporting the facts that more money as going into money market funds than it was a year ago when they probably shouldn't be if you were positive about the stock market. And finally, before we run out of time, Wall Street economist chief uh, at Society General, he forecasts a recession in 2020. But he's not blaming Trump or tariffs or the Trump tweets or anything like that. It's not, he, it has nothing to do with the tariffs or Trump, President Trump, nothing. And I kind of like his reasoning. He says recessions are typically preceded by erosion of corporate profit margins. Okay, if that's true, remember, recessions are typically preceded by erosion of corporate profit margins. So profit margins go down and then later on recessions happen. Okay, so margins peaked in 2015 at 15.2%, and now they're at 10.9%. So why does that happen, though? Well, when corporations' margins, and they start to make less and less money, what do they do? They either raise prices or cut costs. One or the other, because they want to keep their margins as steady as possible. They want them to grow. They don't want them to shrink. So what does that mean? Well, that means they don't put much money, much money in research and development. So if they are squeezing that budget, that means their new products down the road aren't going to be existing because they didn't spend any money to develop it. Or they lay off people, right? That's where you either, you got to cut costs. It's very difficult in this environment in the last 10 years for corporations to raise prices because the competition is so hot and heavy. So that is not 
a, probably a solution for that, raise prices. So that, that is what he's thinking. Okay, this is, I'm, I'm going with him. And I kind of like this thinking. I think it's logical. Now, you're going to tell me, you're going to say, well, right now we have lots of jobs and we're full unemployment, full employment, employment went down, and unemployment went down, unemployment rate went down. What, what do you mean? They're going to lay off. You're re- Don't look in the rearview mirror. Look in the windshield. Go look forward. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another investment program. I will be in the San Jose tomorrow. So Justin will be doing the show tomorrow night. He'll be the host. But I will return on Friday with highlights from the KPP Premium Newsletter, which I'll be writing. Also, please remember to register for the KPP Wealth Conference. It will be on Saturday morning, 9 to noon. Sign up at investtalk.com. Good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.